Hi, and welcome to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. Being ambitious and successful while living a happy life is possible. Learn how you can better cope with stress in day-to-day -day situations by applying tools and techniques that work for you. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm extremely grateful that you decided to check out my podcast today. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. I am so excited and so grateful that you decided to check out today's podcast episode and spend a little bit of time with me and Megan, because we are going to speak about how to make eating a tool to manage stress. And I'm so excited to have Megan in the podcast today who is my interview guest, and Megan is a registered dietitian and holistic health coach who has worked with over 1,000 individuals over the past decade, and she is committed to supporting individuals to live the healthiest version of themselves and really bringing mind, body, and spirit into alignment. And it's really incredible. She's sharing so many amazing tools with us, so many cool insights. I've learned so many cool things with her and from her, just talking to her for an hour. So I'm really, really, really excited to share this with you. I want to make sure to mention this. Um, Megan actually put together a special handout for everyone that is listening to this podcast who is really interested to get in a better relationship with food and how to actually use eating as a tool to manage stress. So I have all of the information about her in the show notes. You can go and head to your website, um, truenourishment.me. But as I said, it's all, all of the links you can find in the show notes as well. And she basically put together really an overview, an in-depth um, help document for you to print out and to really understand and start working on yourself in terms of better eating. And it's really incredible because I talked to Megan a month ago. As you know, I'm always recording a little bit my podcasts ahead of time. And really, since I talked to her, and it's, like I said, been a month, I feel like there's already a few things that have shifted in my awareness in terms of how I'm eating and why I'm sometimes eating sweet foods or why I'm sometimes eating, why I'm sometimes craving really sweets. And she's sharing really so many incredible, cool things. So just a few things. The things that we're talking about in this podcast is, for example, our relationship with food and our body and how stress, how the stress response influences our digestive system. We talk about the difference between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and how that, again, influences our digestive system. How to eat in a stressed environment, which I think is so important and so valuable for so many of you that are working in corporate America or in, in, in any other country in the world and are getting really stressed about their day-to-day -day job and make food and eating a second priority. We also talk about how you can shift your nervous system in only 90 seconds from that sympathetic to the parasympathetic state and really help your body um, digest food better. And we also talk about how breathing can influence insulin production. So interesting, really. I'm, I've learned so many cool things with her. And I 
<laughs> we talked actually after the podcast again as well. And Megan is such a sweet person and we talked about so many things and food has been a really difficult, um, I, I've had difficult relationships with food for a long time as well and with my body image. So I don't know, it was just so enlightening for me to talk to her and to learn from her. And we talked about so many other cool things after the podcast that I said to Megan, oh my God, Megan, I feel like I need to have you in the podcast again at some point um, because I'm sure that so many people are affected by this and so many people can learn from you. So if you're listening to today's podcast episode and you're saying, oh my God, I would love to have Megan on Julia's podcast again, I would love her to answer a few questions and then just reach out to me or leave a question under the Instagram post or under the YouTube video and we are going to collect all of the questions and we're going to make a second podcast interview. Again, I think it's so, so important. Food is the base and the most basic need that we have and yet we have all, we so often have kind of a weird body image <clears throat> that, yeah, I just think it's really, it's really, really amazing to have Megan and have her, you know, transform really the way of how we think about our body. So without further ado, I hope that I got a lot of, of you really interested in this podcast episode now. And yeah, like I said, if you want to have the step-by-step -step guide from Megan, just head to her website, truenourishment.me or into my show notes so you can find the link to her website. And yeah, I hope that you really enjoy this podcast episode. You would do me a huge favor if you would come over to Instagram, to my Instagram account at Blue Mountain Mindfulness and leave a question or leave anything that really connected with you and something that you learned maybe in this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Enjoy very much. And I talk to you really, really soon with gratitude by Julia. Hi, Megan. How are you today? Hi, Julia. I'm doing great. It's warm and sunny in Sacramento. Oh yeah. Much better. I'm so excited. That's nice. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Um, we are going to speak about food and eating and how that relates to stress. So I'm really, really excited to share this topic with our listeners today. Um, but before we jump into all of these amazing things that we talked about before, all of the questions that we want to answer today, um, you already mentioned that you're in Sacramento, but pick us up a little bit. What time is it at your place right now and what have you been up to today? Mm, yeah. So in Sacramento, it's Tuesday afternoon on May 7th and uh, the real version of my life that's not exactly glorified. My days consisted of self-care, dog care, and client care, and uh, the, a little bit of everything. Everything, self-care, I got some movement in this morning, some meditation, some meals, and got to take the dog to the vet, okay. and lots of prep work and follow-up with my clients for the week so far. Very cool. Um, so tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and what you help your clients with. Mm, yeah. So I'm a dietitian and health coach, and I have a pretty unique perspective in that it's not just about what we eat, but really looking at the big picture of why we eat, how we eat, when we eat, what our relationship with food and what our relationship with our body looks like and feels like. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much the cut and dry, you know, follow this 1200 calorie diet, but we get to go in deep 
and look at all of these different pieces around eating and our relationships with food and our bodies. Yeah. Wow. That sounds so interesting. And um, we've, I mentioned it before, we talked actually a little bit before this interview to uh, really pick a couple of cool topics that we can share today in the podcast. And I'm so excited to have you here today. So thank you so much for your time. Um, And the first thing that we wanted to uh, discuss a little bit is the way we eat is as important as what we eat. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. So, you know, so often when we just focus on what we eat, we are not necessarily looking at the way we're digesting or absorbing our food. And it's so important when we start to look at that we are, we've got to look at this, the state of our nervous system and the difference between being in our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest, which I'm sure you talk a lot about as well, Julia, Mm -hmm. and how that's a much different mechanism and a different state of our nervous system than when we're in the stress response or the sympathetic nervous system. So just to give anybody that's not familiar with these these two different states, I'm sure that we can feel it, but I want to give a little bit of background about exactly what this is and when we might be in these different types of responses. So that, that sympathetic is the stress response. And anytime we have a trigger where we feel a bit of stress and, you know, let's say a hundred years ago, that might look like being chased by a bear or being in a life or death situation, which would prompt the stress response, which, which is brilliant. So that means that our heartbeat would start beating faster and stronger. So we'd have the oxygen and the blood to get our muscles to move quickly to get out of there. And we'd have an increased blood pressure. We'd have blood glucose levels rise. So meaning that our blood sugars would, would skyrocket, which is great because then we'd have the fuel to keep our muscles going. Mm -hmm. And we also have more blood directed to our muscles and our heart. And of course, by order of priorities here, that means that our salivary glands, which you know, is the first step in digestion and our digestive functions decrease because blood is being, you know, prioritized to say fight or flight. Let's get out of here. We're going to need to move. We need to go. So digestion is not that important when we are looking at life or death situation. Digestion, sure, we'll catch up with later on, you know, at a time when we're in this rest and digest or this parasympathetic nervous system state. So What's happening during this rest and digest state is that we've got a slower baseline heart rate. And this we'd like to think is business as usual. And, and I think we could intuitively feel what it feels like in our body when we're in a stressed state because we can feel the tension and like mm-hmm. the crunchiness in our body. And, you know, yeah. nowadays it's not so much just being chased by a bear, but it can be overwhelmed by emails and phone calls and text messages and all the expectations that are put on us and that we put on ourselves. So that stress response can happen for a whole variety of reasons. It can be traffic. It can be being late to a meeting. It, you know, that can be triggered for a lot of different reasons. So the rest and digest state looks like a slower baseline heart rate, lowered blood pressure levels, lowered glucose levels. So our blood sugars are not going to be high for movement of our muscles. 
and more blood is then directed to the digestive processes, and we have increased salivation and increased digestive secretions. So you got to think about this for a minute and how many of us during our day are in that stress response where our digestion is not being optimized. Research shows us that anywhere from 30 to 50% of our gut function can be decreased when we're in our stress response. Mm -hmm. So if we go to eat when we're in stress response, we are not even optimizing. We don't have the ability to get all of the nutrients from our food. Okay. So when we look at what we're eating, it's also really important to look at what's happening in our nervous system before we sit down and eat. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can all feel it that we're going to contrast, you know, our normal hectic. We'll assume most of us have pretty hectic work days. Mm-hmm. And what does that feel like in the body versus dining with some friends and family or loved ones mm-hmm. around, let's say, a, a dinner table where you might be laughing and telling stories and mm-hmm. eating a delicious meal, whether that's prepared by you know somebody in the house or you're eating out. There's a different type of um, your body feels much more relaxed in that state. Most people, at least, if their family isn't driving them crazy. But we're going to assume this is an um, enjoyable dinner. So the amount and the ability for our body to digest varies greatly depending on the state of our nervous system and the state in which we're eating. Mm-hmm. So not only what we're eating, but how we're eating is so important to take a look at. Okay. That's so interesting. And I, I actually just want to let you continue because it's so interesting because <laughs> now I guess the, the next question is, I have a million questions, but the, a couple of questions are like, so what do I eat and how do I, what would you recommend as a you know, dietitian and health coach that if I'm in a stressed environment and in a stressed workplace, Do I like, do I stop and how do I get into that? Quit your job. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, you know, when I take the lunch break, like, do I, you know, so often people just run to their lunch break and grab something, you know, like what, what are the things that people should think about? Totally. So I'm so glad you asked. I just came up with this tool called how to eat, how to use eating as a stress reduction tool. Oh. And I know for many of us, when we are in that stress response, it's like we are a freight train and we're moving and we're moving fast and we're like, I can't slow down. I've got things to do. Mm-hmm. So this, this handout is really helpful. And basically, if you can give yourself 90 seconds, you can start to shift your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through some of these pointers. And the first pointer is to start to notice what's happening in your body. And this doesn't actually need to look like anything from the outside. Nobody even knows, needs to know that you're doing it. But before you eat, if you can take 30 seconds and do a quick little scan. Mm-hmm. If you're alone somewhere, you might be able to close your eyes. Sometimes that can help give an inward focus. Mm-hmm. And I want you to start asking, where might you be holding tension? Are you hungry? What does that feel like? And really what we're looking to do here is start to embody, to feel what's happening in the body. And so many of, myself included, so many of us run around our days 
yeah, yeah. And we don't actually feel what's happening in our body. We're kind of like talking heads and yeah. just bumping into each other and keeping going. Mm-hmm. So this is a really vitally important part of the process. Before we eat and ingest food into our body, notice what's happening. What does it feel like to be in our body? And this hunger question is really important. I work with many clients and patients around um, eating habits and a lot of individuals looking to lose weight. And being able to identify our hunger and fullness is key. Mm-hmm. And this, this almost sounds trite, like, well, of course I know when I'm hungry and of course mm-hmm. I know when I'm full, but trying to put language and articulate what that feels like is a really new skill for, I would assume everybody, everyone I've ever worked with, myself included, mm-hmm. it's, it's a new way of relating to our bodies. So just, just to play with this for a minute, Julia, mm-hmm. do you have any sense or could you put into words what it feels like in your body when you're hungry? Like what type of sensation do you get? Um, I would say that my stomach is rumbling. So I kind of feel a sensation in my stomach area, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I also always feel like I have less focus yeah. <laughs> because I'm so like, I'm my body is starting to tell me that I'm so hungry that I feel like I can't really focus anymore. Like, you know, like some people might refer to it as being like hangry where you're really like, you're starting to be a little bit like on the edge because you're like, I can't focus anymore. I don't have energy. And my stomach is almost not, I wouldn't say painful yet. It's like you have kind of maybe that contraction in your stomach, I would yeah. say. Um, and that's when, yeah, that's when it's already kind of late, right? Because they usually say we shouldn't wait until we actually feel hungry. Well, from my perspective, I think it's great to notice when we're hungry. We can, you know, have a scale between like 100% hungry, which I would probably look at more like the hangry, like we've gone too far, too long. And (laughs) what I hear in that is even like there's sort of this um, like nervous system stimulation where you feel a little bit anxious, maybe like, ah, the body on some level is almost like, am I really going to get food? This is important. I don't know if I'm going to get my needs met. You know, yeah. there's like an emotional component in that too. Yeah. Um, but that's great. I love that you had the words to speak to and notice what can happen in your body. Mm-hmm. And just to help with any listeners, oftentimes the words that I hear and that I've experienced is contraction, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, grumbling or bubbles, and it can be in different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So some people will notice hunger in their mouth, which I think mm-hmm. is interesting. And some people will notice hunger in their belly, so like their upper chest area. Some people will notice in their lower belly that okay. there's like a rumbling or a grumbling or a contraction. Um, but most people have some language around, um, immediately will say, well, it feels empty. But what does empty feel like? Empty isn't actually a sensation per se. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Sort of a physical state. So anyhow contraction, whatever it is, I invite everybody to tune into what it feels like and what sensations are there. So if you can take even 30 seconds, and this could be, you know, if you're eating in the break room, a lunch or breakfast or whatever else, just allow yourself to do a a quick body scan and notice what is happening. What are the sensations in the body? So that's going to be step number one. 30 seconds, notice what's happening. And if you can articulate to yourself or just notice internally what those sensations feel like for hunger, that's key. 
Okay. So, I love that. And I, I feel like you can even do that. Even if you eat, if you have to eat at your desk, you can just do that 30 second stop thing. Totally. And then do, is, is that basically the 30 seconds when you move already from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic, just by just like bringing focus to the hunger and trying to put it in words that it kind of automatically decreases our stress levels a little bit. So I'd say this is like heading in that direction, but okay. step two, it's like okay. you read my mind. Step okay. two is really where we start to shift the nervous system. So what we're looking at step two is taking three deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of research to show there's a specific type of breath called the diaphragmatic breath. Mm -hmm. And let me see if I can get tall enough here so people can see. <laughs> like at the bottom of your belly. Yeah. Most of us are pretty shallow breathers, so mm -hmm. we breathe something like, and it's like the top of our lungs, and a diaphragmatic breath is way down deep in our belly that you can start through the nose and breathe, like you can imagine pouring a cup of water, and the water goes way down to the bottom, to the base, and we want to breathe like that, so all the way down. And then fill up to the top of the lungs and then hold it for as long as feels comfortable and then release back out the mouth. And if we can give three deep breaths, that is what actually starts to shift from that stress response into the rest and digest. So basically we want to embody, notice what's happening in our body and then start to shift the nervous system. And there's such interesting research, I want to share this with you all, mm -hmm. that diaphragmatic breathing has been shown to activate that parasympathetic, that nervous, the um, rest and digest nervous system. Mm -hmm. And through this breathing alone, we have seen that that breath can increase insulin production. So I'm going to break that down and exactly what that means. But insulin is the hormone that takes all the extra blood sugars that we might have in our body and it stores it for later use. So this is really important for anybody that's got diabetes or any type of issue with blood sugars, that by breathing, taking these deep breaths and getting back into the rest and digest state, our insulin is better able to do its job of storing the blood sugars, any extra blood sugars in our system. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, what diaphragmatic breathing can do. Okay. Number two, sort of as a byproduct, it reduces high blood sugars because of that insulin production. Mm -hmm. So for anybody that's ever been on uh, blood sugar regulating medications, this can help increase the efficacy by taking deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And the third thing it does is reduce free radicals and... I feel like most people have heard the term free radicals, but not necessarily everybody knows what that means. So I'm going to break down exactly what free radicals are. Um, and basically the easiest way to describe it is that free radicals are the natural byproducts of chemical processes such as metabolism and breathing and these waste products, they can build up and start to harm the cells of the body. So they're natural, they happen just through the processes of living, these free radicals, mm -hmm. but they're also sped up by certain factors, like if we're eating fried foods or sun exposure or chemical exposures, we can be producing extra free radicals. So what, what that means, I know this is kind of a long answer, but what that means is that extra free radicals 
they can create a condition called oxidative stress in the body. Mm -hmm. And that oxidative stress can adversely alter our body chemistry. And that can trigger a number of different diseases. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of research and and pretty much everybody has heard the word antioxidant. And the reason that we need antioxidants is because of this oxidative stress. Okay. It's because that our body naturally has this oxidation process happen. And we need to make sure that we have enough antioxidants to counterbalance the oxidative stress that naturally happens in our body. Hmm. And so when we're talking about breathing, this is huge. Yeah. The implications of taking these deep diaphragmatic breaths not only shift into the rest and digest state, but Mm -hmm. they help to prevent this oxidative stress, which can lead to, for for us women, many of us think about things like aging and oxidative stress can also cause gray hairs and wrinkles Mm -hmm. and and then a whole number of disease states. So Mm -hmm. just getting more deep breaths can help can help to shift not only the nervous system, but also the physiology of the body. Yeah. So that's okay. That's... Number, number two. So I, just one comment on that. So from a diet, diaphragmatic breathing perspective, sometimes it can be a little confusing for people. Um, so I'm going to, and you explained it already with a glass of water, which I really like. Um, another way of how I learned it is just the kind of deep belly breathing mm. um, where you really focus on bringing all of the like oxygen into your stomach and you just feel, feel like a balloon. Like you Mm. just feel like you have a balloon in your stomach or in your belly area and you just try to fill it up because a lot of people are actually doing reverse breathing. You already said it as well. Like they have like a shallow breathing, but it's like, usually we actually expand our um, belly area when we inhale and then when we exhale it actually contracts and goes down and some people have that reversed so they mm. inhale and because of that shallow breathing they like they kind of have their belly contract already on the inhale instead of the exhale and that's a lot that like breathing is this whole own his, his own full, full like topic i guess but it's super interesting and so if somebody is listening now and says okay um diaphragmatic breathing just imagine that you have a balloon in your belly and you fill it all the way up so you're really your belly expands and then when you exhale through your mouth through your open mouth you basically deflate the balloon again i love that visualization yeah And I think we can all sort of see and visualize that when we're blowing up a balloon, like you said, the belly goes outward, not just the lungs going out, but actually. Exactly. It's the belly. And and we even say like the whole torso, because we are also breathing with our back. Like we want to bring oxygen into our whole body, not just into our belly area, but we kind of want to expand like all around Mm. um, our body. And then I just thought something else, but I think I just forgot it. Uh, Belly breathing. I don't know what I wanted to say. Anyway, belly breathing is super interesting. Yeah. It is. Thank you for that. I like that that uh, balloon image. Okay. So number one, allow yourself to notice what's happening in the body. Mm-hmm. Number two, take three deep breaths, shift back into that rest and digest for optimal digestion. And the third one is to start to be present with our food. And mm-hmm. this doesn't necessarily need to take any more time than what we're normally doing. The difference is in our mind. Mm-hmm. So allowing ourselves to be mindful or present is another word for that. And this literally looks like just noticing, noticing the colors and the shapes and the smells of your food that's on your plate or in your bowl. 
and allow your senses to become involved. So you watch kids eat and they're, you know, they love touching food. They smell food. They put it in their mouth. They really enjoy it. Yeah. So many of us adults, we're just sort of like these automatic machines, like fuel, go, fuel, go. Uh-huh. And, and there's several things that we miss out on when we don't allow ourselves to get all of our senses engaged. And I'd say two really important pieces here. The first one is that when we smell and touch our food, we start the digestive process. So in our mouth, you know, we kind of joke about it. I know for myself, I remember for years seeing like um, Red Lobster's Cheddar Bay Biscuits on TV and being like, oh my gosh, they look so good. My mouth salivates. Watering, yeah. Exactly. It's watering. So that's actually the first part of digestion, that Mm -hmm. once we have the like saliva ready to go, that's our first step of digestion. So Mm -hmm. just by looking at our food and smelling our food, our body's preparing for digestion. And this doesn't need to be a separate step. This doesn't need to be any extra time, but just allowing our mind to be present with our food. And, and I really like for people to, to feel and remember, because I know we all do this. I certainly do as well. But what does it feel like to eat you know, a breakfast bar or a sandwich behind the wheel of our car when we're getting from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. And how is that different than when we're relaxed at home eating at the dinner table? That I know for me, oftentimes I'll sort of like inhale my food, I'll get to wherever I was going and I'll say to myself like, oh, I'm still hungry. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't actually present with what I was eating. I missed it. I missed the whole experience. And, you know, thankfully I'll have arrived safe and I didn't crash my car. I didn't, you know, run anybody over because my mind was needing to stay present to like the traffic. Navigate traffic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a really good thing. It worked. I'm safe. But when we're eating, if we can actually be present with our food, we get the full experience. We get the digestion happening, and we also get to enjoy the, the flavors and the taste, which actually this sort of goes to point number four here. Okay. But tasting our food is tip number four. Okay. So this definitely is in alignment with being present with your food. But I think of it, you know how we all will... I can't say we all, but this idea of aromatherapy where we take candles and Mm -hmm. essential oils and it has an effect on our body system and we can feel a little bit more relaxed or invigorated depending on what effect we want to go for that just like aromatherapy, we can have taste therapy. We're eating usually at least three meals a day anyways. Why not enjoy Mm -hmm. that taste that's happening in our mouth? Mm-hmm. And when we can allow ourselves to notice the flavors and the textures and the mouthfeel as we chew, we're fully absorbing the process of eating. And if we can notice, okay, what does it taste like as I chew? Hmm. What does this food taste like after I've just swallowed? What sort of flavors are left in my mouth mm-hmm. before I take the next bite? Yeah. We're letting our minds and our bodies sort of catch up to the digestion process. Yeah. I'm just thinking like we do that even with wine, right? If we're going to a wine tasting, like, totally. we like to taste like what it feels on the tongue and then what it maybe feels like after we swallowed it. But we, we never really think about it when we eat to do yeah. that process, right? 
Totally. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That we kind of take for granted <laughs> that yeah. this wine is this special experience. And yet mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to do this every, every time. time we eat. Yeah. And not only is it more enjoyable, you know, it gives more satisfaction. We oftentimes feel full because mm-hmm. our body, yeah, it's processed and it's been with the experience of eating. And I can certainly say firsthand that when I don't taste my food, I feel um, like my appetite hasn't been satiated. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have eaten, I don't know, what's a good example, a sandwich, but if I didn't taste the flavors, I'm like, oh, I want more. Yeah. <laughs> I totally have that all the time. Like, oh yeah, that sounds totally. (laughs) I definitely feel like I sometimes don't eat like consciously. And I feel like you just explained so nicely also kind of the mindful eating, right? This is exactly what mindful eating is about. Um, Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so often we think that like, oh, I don't have time to do that mindful eating. That takes too much time. Exactly. Yeah. It's really not a time. It's intention and it's focus. Yeah. So. Like I said, that 90 seconds, if you can give yourself that, and I want to I wanna put in this framework that it's not necessarily easy to do this the first few times because my experience is, is that it is like stopping a freight train, that like everything within us is like, I got to go faster, more, harder, and to like stop and put the brakes on takes this sort of monumental effort to be like, Arr! I'm, I'm and I feel like people are like, oh, I need to do this on the side and I need to scroll for my social media feed totally. or answer this email on the side. Like I, I do that. Like I'm totally mm-hmm. guilty of like sitting with my breakfast phone already scrolling from my emails, you know, and like being mm-hmm. on the side. So yeah. Totally. Okay. So then there's one more tip here, mm-hmm. but if we can, I challenge everybody just to try this once 90 seconds in your day. That's all mm-hmm. we're asking for. Some intention, some focus. But um, the last piece, which again doesn't need or require any extra time, is allowing yourself to give gratitude. And this is, you know, a ritual and a practice in a lot of cultures. Some people say saying grace, but this in in the practice that I do isn't about um, necessarily. Yeah, there's no religious connotations, but it's the experience of focusing on what has brought us joy and pleasure through the day. Mm-hmm. So if this is lunch, you know, I recommend it's, it's a little bit easier to do when there's somebody you can share this with your partner or your friend or family, whatever's happening, that if you just allow yourself to reflect for a moment and actually feel in the body again, so this is embodiment, mm-hmm. but feel what has been the best parts of your day. Mm-hmm. And you can share, you know, there's an opportunity to tell your partner or your family member or whoever that is. Yeah you know, what that is, you're reliving that in the, the actual chemistry of the body, you get to feel that joy and that pleasure all over again. So again, we're sort of putting our nervous system into that rest and digest by feeling those sort of positive feelings. Mm -hmm. So it can be easier when um, we've got somebody to eat with, but either way, you can totally reflect by yourself. If, even if you are sitting in front of your desk, you know, Exactly. What has felt good? That's amazing. So you actually have those five steps together on a handout as well, right? I do. I've got a handout and it's it's on my website for anybody that wants a free download. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely put your website into the show notes as well so people can download that. I think that's really amazing. Um, so now my next question would actually be, so now that we talked about kind of the mindfulness eating act, right? And of 
like what happens in our body when we are in sympathetic state versus in parasympathetic state that that has already a huge effect on digestion i just want to say as well like i'm also like the biggest person that is kind of a um, and that has like this nervous stomach. So if I'm like really stressed or if, you know, if I'm, for example, having, if I have to give a big talk or a presentation, I can immediately feel it kind of in my stomach. And for me, that's kind of my sign that I'm, I'm stressed and that I'm probably in the sympathetic state. And that if I'm eating now something on top of that already stressed stomach, then I usually feel it with like heartburn or I feel like slightly, you know, uneasy and un like my stomach is unhappy. So that has obviously like a lot of effects, but what you mentioned as well, and what I want to, what I would love to hear more about as well is you said that we can also eat foods in order to go into the parasympathetic state. Is that mm. correct? That's and not actually what, correct. Oh, 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 okay. I appreciate the sentiment. I think what okay. you're getting at, we can still go in that direction. Okay. So I don't know, and maybe it's possible, but I don't know of any research <laughs> that has specific foods to shift our nervous mm. system. I don't actually know of those. But what I do know is that when we are thinking about or in that stress response and looking at that whole process of you know, what happens when we're in stress response, we've got higher cortisol, there's a whole mm. host of mm. catecholamines that are released, that when we're looking at how to um, help the body recover mm -hmm. from stress or recover from that oxidation experience, there are certain types of nutrients and thus certain types mm -hmm. of foods that mm -hmm. can help sort of on this physical level okay. to reboot the system or recover from stress. Okay. So if we're talking about foods in that perspective, there are certain foods that are going to add to oxidation and that oxidizing Oxidative stress, <laughs> one of those tongue twisters here. So some types of foods, and I mentioned this before, but um, fried foods are going to actually create more oxidative stress in the body. Mm -hmm. Foods high in sugars are going to create more oxidative stress. And when I say high in sugars, I mean added sugars. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we're eating an apple, that naturally has a host of vitamins and minerals and fiber that's even going to slow down the absorption of those natural sugars. Mm -hmm. So foods that are high in added sugars would be more like donuts and cookies and cakes and things where we're actually, you know, adding yeah. sugars. Yeah. Um, and then alcohol is another one that produces free radicals in the body. And I'm not saying never have any of these foods, but what's important is to look at well, what other, how can we counterbalance this? What yeah. else can we eat to add more, um, to help counterbalance? So yeah. and I, like, I guess like for me in my head, it's like, okay, I need probably to eat more foods with antioxidants, right? Like blueberry, exactly. I think. Have exactly. Antioxidants and, yep. That um, is where we are headed. And yeah. Yep. So to counterbalance those antioxidants, the best way to think of antioxidants is like the, the most colorful foods. So mm -hmm. eat your rainbow. So we're talking about when you look at reds, lycopene from tomatoes, and we're looking at, I do want to differentiate just, just for any curious minds, you know, orange from Cheetos is not going to be an antioxidant <laughs> yeah. rich source, but we're talking about natural types. Natural, natural rainbow colors. <laughs> exactly. Natural rainbow colors are going to be totally different. Uh -huh. So every single type of color has a specific type of antioxidant. Mm -hmm. So for example, like red with the lycopene and 
when we're looking at um, like wine, Mm -hmm. has resveratrol, which is like that dark purple color. Mm -hmm. And resveratrol is known to be a really potent antioxidant. And then we've got oranges like beta carotene and, you know, you could get carrots, you can um, squash all sorts of dark orange colors, yellows, mostly squash, or even there's some yellow antioxidants in corn. We've got greens. And that actually is another really important piece that greens like leafy greens and broccoli. So like spinach and kale and all whatever type of leafy greens you like, um, they're going to be really high in minerals. Mm -hmm. So being in a state of chronic stress depletes our minerals. And one really important tip, yes, they have antioxidants, but they're also really high in minerals. So Mm -hmm. we can restore our mineral stores by eating foods high in minerals. So I like to think of leafy greens almost like, like an insurance policy that if we're eating our leafy greens every day, and my recommendation is at least a cup of leafy greens, and that could be thrown in a smoothie, that could be in a salad, that could be something like baked broccoli, um, Brussels sprouts also can count as a leafy green, but if you get a cup of those leafy greens a day, it's like taking some type of insurance policy or, you know, some people might say vitamin, but um, that those greens and then eating your plethora, your rainbow of colors. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that you need every single color every day, but if you can get within about every four days or so, most of your colors, then you're going to be covering pretty much all the types of antioxidants. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to add in. And then also B vitamins are really helpful. And if, if you ever look on a um, supplement label, oftentimes it says like stress B complex. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we emphasize B vitamins is because it's really helpful for energy production and also to help keep our nervous system in um, a functioning state. Mm-hmm. So B vitamins you can get from meat and pork. You could absolutely take a supplement if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do recommend for anybody that has, tends to have more chronic stress, um, B vitamins are really important. Um, there are also a whole host of herbs called adaptogenic herbs. Mm-hmm. And there's one in particular called ashwagandha that can be really, really helpful. And I just heard about that. Actually, uh-huh. my sister just got ashwagandha. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's a real yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Um, so ashwagandha is really good. And the particular mechanism when we look at um, stress, our adrenal glands, which sit right on top of our kidneys, Mm -hmm. in our back there, Um, our adrenal glands can essentially produce excess stress hormones like Mm -hmm. adrenaline and cortisol, cortisol, and they can get really depleted. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're looking to add in things like ashwagandha and some of those other herbs. That's so so interesting. And one of the things that we chatted about as well last week um, when we prepared for this was what comes first, the, fir- the food or the stress issue? Because there's a lot of people as well, I feel like, that get stressed because of food and because mm-hmm. of, you know, maybe how much they weigh or what they eat or how they eat. Um, what is your take on it? What comes first, the food or the stress? <laughs> That's a great question. I think it's like the chicken or the egg. It's hard to tell. 
Mm-hmm. But, but stress can, as we all know, eating can be such an important or an easy and a well, um, readily available stress relief experience. So, you know, whether issues with overeating or issues with stress come first, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. We probably all have had um, a, a pretty reciprocal relationship with yeah. both of those pieces. Um, but the key is really those five tips and tools, Mm -hmm. whether it's overeating, the more we're aware of what's happening in our body and the more that we slow down to enjoy the flavors and the taste that are in our food, the less likely we are to overeat. Mm -hmm. And just the act of slowing down and enjoying our food is going to reduce our stress. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And one of the things that I found so interesting as well is you told me that I think you have celiac disease as well yourself. I do. Um, And you said to me that you've obviously worked with hundreds of people um, and you've actually seen similar personality types um, that have certain types of dietary issues. Um, Can you just say for people that don't know what celiac disease is, what celiac disease is and what kind of personality types you see have that more often than others? Absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of skipped over this part actually initially, but I'd love to dive in here. So I do have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease. And basically what autoimmune means is that the body breaks itself down and it's, it's attacking, but in the When we think of our body as an organism, um, it's always looking to maintain homeostasis. It always has its own intuitive wisdom. It's doing the best it can. It does not just break itself down for fun. It's protecting us in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So I have this autoimmune disease called celiac. And what happens with celiac, some people might be familiar, but we have little microvilli that live in our intestines. And the microvilli, their job is to absorb nutrients. And what happens with celiac is anytime an individual like myself would eat gluten, the microvilli will self-destruct. And when they self-destruct, what's left in the intestine are pretty much like these little holes. Instead of having a, um, the, the type of, um, texture is sort of like cheesecloth. So there's just certain size of molecules that can go through the microvilli. And what happens when they are gone and there's little holes is that much bigger size particles can get through right into the intestines, which is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So it can create all sorts of issues. And um, just to share a little bit of my personal story here, I see this huge connection and this has been years. I've, I've had celiac for over 17 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, my relationship, you know how we say, at least some people say we teach what we need to learn. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely true in my case that I've had a very complicated relationship with food and mm-hmm. a very complicated relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. And to just share a little bit, a glimpse into my story, I, I want to share what it was for me at nine years old, I had this very, very well-intending mother and she saw that as a nine-year-old, I was getting pretty chubby. And what I know now as an adult is, well, that's the natural prepubescent state that we actually put on fat and fat is the backbone of hormones. And so we grow tall. You know, oftentimes people see like um, children grow wider before they grow taller and that's that mechanism at work. But anyhow, so my very well-intended mother 
had um, pulled me inside and told me like, Megan, I see you're getting a little, little chubby. Let's start to limit the food that you're eating. And of course, from this like nine-year-old psyche, what it felt like was, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. Like it's not safe to eat food. And this sort of sense that like, oh gosh, there's something like, there's something really wrong. And I, I have one more like really clear memory. I, I think I was maybe 10 at this point and I was coming out from dance class and my, I was in a leotard and my mom stopped me and she put her hand on my belly and she had said, Megan, you really need to suck your stomach in in public. And Um, I think from her perspective, what she was actually looking at was she was this yoga teacher and was like proper alignment or whatever else. But again, to mm -hmm. a 10 year old, it was this like mortifying moment of like, my body's not safe. It's not okay the way it is. I'm not okay. I need to like suck it all in and be like as small as I can. This isn't right. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, what I, I've seen later in life is that I had some really interesting parallels in my psyche where, and I had, you know, celiac was diagnosed then in my teens. So not too much longer, but that feeling where after those few events with my mom, I remember looking in the mirror and hating my belly, Mm -hmm. feeling like it was really unsafe and it like, it's not okay to be seen and just wishing like it would go away. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't the right shape. It was too big. Like no one ever loved me because of this belly. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long after that I started to develop really intense gut pain. Mm-hmm. and chronic bloating and low energy and this sort of like low grade depression that just became normal. Like a 10 year old doesn't know any different. Of and, and then a few years later I got diagnosed with celiac and I just, I really see this parallel that the thoughts that I was thinking and the way that I believed my body to be mm-hmm. really played a part into my diagnosis and what and yes, there's a genetic link. My grandma has celiac. And actually later my mom got diagnosed with celiac. But um, I've, what I found certainly in myself and then with many others who also have celiac is that there's sort of this type A perfectionistic personality mm-hmm. where we want everything to like eyes dotted, T's crossed, everything needs to look perfect and be perfect. And we we induce this sort of extra stress on ourselves and the gut can be one of the first places that we feel that extra stress. And, um, actually a fun little tidbit here in this, in when we're an embryo and like a baby is developing the central nervous system in the gut is created from the same group of cells or the same clump of cells before we're even a baby, mm-hmm. but it divides into the central nervous system into the gut and mm-hmm. the gut has almost as many nerves as the central nervous system. So anyhow, there's, there's an interesting connection there, but for individuals like myself and the hundreds, I've probably worked with over thousands of, of women and men with on their relationship with food, but within the realm of autoimmune and celiac there, there tends to be this very clear um, association and and many, I was also a dancer in my younger years, but I can't tell you how many dancers I've seen have celiac. It is That's so interesting. Yeah. 
And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people would listen now as well and be like, yeah, I'm celiac or yes, I have maybe the same symptoms and I'm in a high stress kind of environment at work or, you know, at home and um, I'm a perfectionist person and I always want things to go my way. Like, um, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, like I just want to add one quick thing. Yeah. If anybody does think that they have celiac, go get tested by your doctor and don't go gluten-free before you get tested. Because mm -hmm. if you stop eating gluten and then get tested, the markers will not react in your blood. Oh, so just a quick note right. there. Okay, yeah. that's good. Thanks for saying that. Um, and I always have a couple of questions for each of my interview guests. And the first one is, what are you most grateful for? Mm, like my daily practice. Um, I would say... I'm most grateful for a really supportive husband. Um, he's amazing and amazing clients who they make my work and my life so fulfilling. And I love to watch. I feel like I have the best job in the world. I'm so grateful that I get to watch these health transformations happen every day of my life. Yeah. I'd say I'm most grateful for them. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and what are, what are the three most important wisdoms um, that in your life that you learned that you would like to share with the others? Yeah. Um, okay. So I would say number one, like I mentioned so far, the body has its own wisdom mm -hmm. and that the body is always operating, doing the best it can with what it's got. Mm -hmm. And our job is to learn what it needs. And sometimes learning what it needs is not just through the doctor or through someone else, but learning to respect its needs means in the moment, like eating when we're hungry or sleeping when we're tired or moving when our bodies are getting tight or stretching, mm -hmm. that really tuning in to what our body needs is a really important yeah. aspect. Um, and you know, this word self-care, I feel like is thrown yeah. around a lot and yeah. people tend to think like, Oh yeah, self-care is fancy vacations and kale smoothies and you know, <laughs> these like, um, you know, these fun things and sure that can be part of, you know, how we take care of ourselves. But the way that I see it, it's moment to moment. Am I aware of what's happening in my body? Am I aware of the needs that are coming forth? Yeah. And being able to slow down and tune in is, is the work. Yeah. Okay. And then one last, I'm going to say that's two. Yeah. Last piece of wisdom <laughs> is one of the pieces that I feel like can be so stressful around eating is that we have this idea that there's like a moral imperative. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to eat. Mm -hmm. And we even like market foods as guilt-free foods yeah. as if we should feel guilty for eating. I mean, should we feel guilty for sleeping and drinking water? Why is there such this morality, this judgment around eating? Mm -hmm. So the, the other piece of wisdom I would really like to share is that there is no such thing of morality of eating. Yeah. Sure, there's, you know, such a thing as a more dentry, nutrient dense food or like a less nutrient dense food, but that doesn't mean anything about us as a person, the choices that we make. Yeah. So there's, there's just so much shame that's oftentimes embedded in our choices. So that's one piece that I would love to just separate out. We're not a failure if we have extra weight. Doesn't mean that somehow, you know, we're some morally um, wrong person. And, and somehow our culture gives us these messages. Yeah. So 
that it can be the most stressful part. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. And I, one of the things that I found super interesting that I recently just heard as well is that we always label foods as like good food and bad food. And it's always like when like parents often use to say to their kids, oh, you can have, you need to eat the good food first before you can have the bad food. Totally. And that kind of sticks with us. And I, I very much relate to that because I grew up with an amazing grandma who made us really nice food every day for lunch. And when we came home from school and we would always have like our meal and we would always have dessert afterwards. Mm. And now I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I always need something sweet after my meal. Um, and it's, And I, I realize it now that I'm more conscious about all these things. It's like, I'm almost thinking like, okay, eat my healthy salad and then I can have like a piece of chocolate, you know? Uh -huh. um, so yeah, any tips on how, how you would change it? Is it more just kind of being conscious about these things? Totally. Yeah. Being conscious about it. And what I do one-on-one -on -one with a lot of individuals is that when we're craving, you know, a sweet food or whatever else, a salty food, we're getting some physiological reaction or emotional or mental reaction. Oftentimes, I know for me, eating something sweet can feel like a reward. Mm -hmm. It feels like ah, permission to relax or yeah. permission to let go or to be done almost as a ritual, like to be done with your day, yeah. whether it's a glass of wine or a piece of chocolate or a donut or whatever, mm -hmm. that we get to explore what does that food give an individual Mm -hmm. And it's not bad or wrong, but when people are ready to create new habits, we can get to that same end result, perhaps without actually the food present. So we can talk about I other ways that, that yeah. we can, you know, relax or yeah. create a ritual about being finished our day. Or celebrate. I feel like a lot of people use food and alcohol as well to celebrate, right? Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Part. Thanks for that tip. Um, mm -hmm. And do you have any book recommendations that you that changed maybe your life or where you're like this kind of summarizes it super well of what we've talked about today yeah i've pulled from a lot of resources but i have to say one of my favorite i have it here um it's called the slow down diet by mark mm -hmm. david mm -hmm. and this book the subtitle is eating for pleasure energy and weight loss mm -hmm. and what i really love about this book is that it's not just about the what but it again is about the how and the why, and looking at our relationship with food and our bodies. Because my experience has been, anybody can follow some sort of strict diet for a time, for a period of time, but it's not sustainable most of the time when our relationship with food and our relationship with our bodies don't change. Yeah. So we really need to start to shift the way that we look at our bodies, the way that we look at food, the way that we feel towards our bodies, the way that we feel towards foods. And like you mentioned, a lot of this is unconscious. A lot of this is cultural. Mm -hmm. We just assume, um, mm -hmm. excuse me, we assume certain things and it, it takes some effort to, pull these unconscious assumptions out into the light. Yeah, that's awesome. And what's next for you, Megan? What, what are you planning to do next on your journey? Great question. Well, um, I've been in a big business expansion phase right now, which has been so fun. Mm -hmm. um, my private practice is almost full. I think I have two spots. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also been hosting more group classes and also running group programs. So I'm really excited to get to 
continue to expand my group programs. And yeah. uh, it's really sweet to get to reach more people and get to hear how their lives transform. Yeah, that's amazing. So how can people get in touch with you if they are listening now and they're like, oh my God, I need to work with Megan to like fix my food, <laughs> food and health issues. I would be honored. And um, so my website is truenourishment.me and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram handle is true underscore nourishment mm -hmm. and Facebook I, I think it's too long of a web. <laughs> well, just send it to me exactly. Yeah, and I'll we'll just put it on the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else that I haven't maybe asked you yet or anything that you want to share before we kind of come mm. our interview? I don't think so. I can't think of anything. I, I, I feel like got a lot of things. Yeah, we did. We covered a lot in the past yeah. hour and I'm just so grateful to get to be on your show, Julia. Thanks yeah. so much. It's my pleasure. It was amazing to have you. And I learned a ton from just talking with you and I hope a lot of people learned a lot today as well and just start being more aware. I feel like that's always the first step. You know, it's like, it's not like you have to change your whole diet from today to tomorrow, but even just kind of that little seed that we planted now in our listeners heads, I hope that is enough to really start being a little bit more mindful about what they're eating, how they're eating, um, and to really move always from that sympathetic state into the parasympathetic state before they actually eat. And I think, and I include myself in there as well, actually. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you. Bye-bye, Megan. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely happy and grateful if you could leave me a comment and a five-star rating. If you know someone who would benefit from the information I talked about today, please feel free to share it with them, no matter if it is your friends, your colleagues and or your family members. You will always find all links and a summary of the podcast in the show notes. It would be great if we could connect on Instagram or via email. You can find all details of how to find me in the show notes as well. In that way, you can also send me any questions that you might have. And as I mentioned, I also have a wonderful YouTube channel now where you can post comments and questions. So please reach out. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your trust. With gratitude, Julia.